Hello, hello, and welcome back to DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and you are lucky enough to be listening to episode one of season three of this podcast. And usually for a season premiere, I like to do some like big hype up episode with like a big story or some huge guest or some really high production values. And I'm still probably going to do that at some point, but I'm going to be honest with you guys. You remember that one time whenever I said this, sometimes it doesn't matter what you do. Sometimes shit just fucking sucks. Well, I got to be honest, I I had one of those weeks this week. And while I will tell you about that, I also want to simultaneously revisit an album that has kind of always been there for me during these, let's say, dark periods of my life. But before we get into all that, I want to get some of my housekeeping out of the way at the beginning of the episode because as some of you guys have told me you guys usually just click off uh, whenever I get to the end of the episode so I just want to let you guys know a couple things up front if you guys want to get a hold of me online you can send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com or you can follow me on social media although that's weird now because you know you take a couple of months off from podcasting and you come back fresh and ready to go And then you find out that social media is, like, totally different, right? So, like, now instead of you following me on Twitter, you can follow me on X. I guess that's – I guess X is just what it's called now. And uh, there's another social media network called Threads, and I'm not really sure what that is either, but uh, I am on it. You can follow me on both of those platforms at DFT9000. Or you can always follow me on the tried and true social media networks such as Instagram or Facebook. But the real place to get a hold of me is the podcast Discord server. There's going to be a link in the show notes that will take you to the wonderful world of Discord. where That's where like me and my friends and listeners of the show and everybody, we all kind of just hang out and try to have a good time there on Discord. With all of that said, if you guys like the podcast, please make sure you're subscribed to it. The podcast is available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And if it's not on one of your favorite podcasting platforms, please make sure to let me know and I will do my best to get it on said platform for you. If you guys like the podcast, make sure you're subscribed and maybe leave it a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I don't think you can leave a written review on Spotify, but uh, you can always comment on the Facebook. If you like the podcast, just let me know. Let me know that you're out there listening so with all of that out of the way front loaded let's get into the actual episode so allow me to start off by saying that this was supposed to be like an awesome week. I had tickets to see Zayo and Narcissist in Cleveland, Ohio. It was a 10 hour drive from my house. I was stoked about it. It was on a Friday night. I had PTO submitted to excuse me from work so that I could embark upon this journey to Cleveland. But if things had gone as planned, let's just say that I probably would have never actually made it to Cleveland. Because earlier in the week, my boss sent out a call for me to travel to Indianapolis for nine days 
to act as support for one of our other sites. And I'm actually still in Indy as of the writing of this script, but uh, you know, I'm actually in my house now recording the podcast itself several days later. And I was scheduled to leave for Indy two days before my trip to Cleveland, but sadly that wasn't gonna happen. And I was kind of bummed out, but this was kind of like normal bummed out, like not the kind of like soul crushing bummed out that I was going to be feeling not too far into the future and the same kind of soul crushing bummed out that you guys are probably used to hearing me talk about on the show. And although this was really annoying, it turned out to not be the end of the world yet. It just so happened that even though I was going to be missing the Zayo show on Friday, they were actually going to be playing at Post Festival in Indianapolis the very next night, and I would actually be able to see it after all. And I was also delighted whenever I found out that the band that I'll be talking about in this episode was also going to be there. And that band is Trenches. And I'll be honest, I hadn't really thought about Trenches in quite a while. Not since I interviewed Joel, their guitarist. I interviewed him a few years ago on the Discuss Metal podcast. And that was right before their newest album, Reckoner, was about to come out. And I listened to that album a lot this week, too. But ultimately, I decided that the Tide Will Swallow Us Whole was much more compatible with my current mood. And if you don't know who Trenches is, now is a really good jumping on point. Trenches is a post-metal band from Indianapolis, Indiana, and they were formed by a gentleman that you might know named Jimmy Ryan, who used to be the singer of Haste the Day. And that's also, you know, obviously a band that I'm never going to do an episode on. Schwacked. Trenches is unique because this debut record came out in 2008. And as far as other bands that were playing post-metal in this, like, pseudo-Christian metal scene back then, Trenches was pretty much it. The only other post-metal band I can think of that was active in that scene was the band Hands, and they came out about a year later, which is also another band that I could probably talk about for a really long time. So, you know, stay tuned for that. And I remember back in 2008 when this album was released and how big of a deal it was to me personally. Because like most Christian hardcore kids back in 2008, I was really into Haste the Day and I was into other like solid state bands like that. And of course, we were all super disappointed when Jimmy Ryan announced his departure from the band. But this new trenches was kind of a dot of light on the horizon for all of us who were fans of Jimmy and his like growly serpentine style of screaming. And this CD is also one of the first CDs I bought as a married man. Which was weird, right? Like, whenever I got married, I, I sort of stopped buying CDs for a while because, like, I needed money for other things. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that. I remember actually picking it up at Best Buy, if you can believe that. And I was mesmerized by the black and gold image that's on the front of it because something I discovered this week is that if you're looking at that album cover on like Facebook or just on the internet in general and you scroll up and down really fast, it it has like a really cool visual effect. It's beautiful. I've looked at this for five hours now. And even though I had heard a few clips of the music online before that, 
I checked this out for the purely superficial reason that it said solid state records on the back of it. And, you know, Jimmy Ryan was in it. And I'll admit that my first impression of this record didn't really sound anything like I expected it to. But that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Because at that time, I'd really been dipping my toes into the genre of post-metal. And I'd started finding a lot to like in bands like Isis and Cult of Luna and Rosetta. And it's funny because me and Buddy didn't refer to these bands at the time as post-metal. We didn't know that post-metal was a thing, right? Uh, so we, we actually called them like Doomcore, which was like a, a mix of doom metal and hardcore. Uh, obviously, um, Doomcore then went on to become a very familiar term that, that is used even to this day by everyone who really knows what they're talking about. But what stuck out for me with Trenches at first was Jimmy's vocals. And I don't think I need to explain why. Like that first song, Calling, blasted me hard with those snarling vocals, mammoth riff, and this deliberate pace that while it gives you brief moments to breathe, still succeeds in crushing you into the dust. And the rest of the record is simultaneously spellbinding and soul-crushing. There's just something about this genre that is able to convey emotions in this visceral way. And Trenches were the masters of it. Despite the opinions of message board users pre-2010, this was not some quote-unquote solid-state band trying to stumble their way into the post-metal scene. That's like a real thread that, that I read through and, and, and read all the comments. I just think that at the time, the audience that would hear this first just didn't know how to contextualize what they were hearing. And a prime example of this is the Jesus Freak Hideout review of the album from 2008. This is what the reviewer says. This is going to be my reviewer voice, okay? Let's just get this out of the way right now. The vocals are pretty much the only thing that carried over from Haste the Day. And even those aren't quite the same, you can still tell it's Jimmy, but the screams also resemble that of older Zayo. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So you mean like most of Zayo then, right? See, this is kind of a confusing comparison to make because if you mean older Zayo, like truly old Zayo, like all else failed in Splinter Shards, then your comparison doesn't make sense. What do you mean by older Zayo exactly? Like, I can sort of envision him typing up that review and wanting to just directly compare Jimmy's vocals to Dan's vocals, but being like, nah, dude, that's too on the nose. I'll say, hmm, what am I going to say here? Let's see. Uh, uh, I'll say older Zayo so that it sounds more sophisticated. The review goes on to say, The tide will swallow as whole as heavy, but more experimental and ambient than Haste the Day. And the songs are generally at a slower tempo. And this is a prime example of what I mean. It's not that our reviewer here isn't familiar with the people in the band or the label and the Christian hardcore scene at large. It's just that this record isn't trying to sound anything like those. It's perfectly content being its own thing. 
And our reviewer ends his thoughts with this little nugget, which is like my favorite part of the review. Well, the talent of this group cannot be denied, and no doubt there will be a lot of hardcore fans blasting this in their stereo. It's hard to say that the Tide Will Swallow Us Whole is a great way to start their career. Because of the incredible musicianship, I can't help but expect great things for the future of Trenches, but because of the boringness of a good portion of the album, Trenches failed to truly impress. And then this dude proceeds to rate this absolutely stellar album with three out of five stars. And even though this review is like 15 years old at this point, I just have to ask, dude, have you never heard a post-metal album before? And if you have, was it better or was it worse than this? Like, I, I really want to know. I get that it can be frustrating when a song is longer than your commute to work. Like, I, I get it, man. I, I listened to Colors by Between the Buried Me Too, and I loved it, but I couldn't listen to, like, you know, Ants of the Sky before I got to work. It's frustrating. But to describe an album like The Tide Will Swallow as whole as boring tells me a lot more about your attention span than it tells me about the album. And I also, like, went and checked the reviewer's other reviews, and I noticed that he gave Creator by Hands 2.5 out of 5 stars, which to me is like an absolute crime. It's like the police busted into your house looking for drugs, but then they also find a dead body in your freezer. It's over for you! This is the police! But I mean, I'll give the guy points for, for being consistent. And like I said, it was 15 years ago. I'm not, not totally sure why I'm still mad about it. And I'm just having a little bit of fun. Like, I know for a fact that I've had my share of horrible takes over the years. And no, I'm not going to tell you what they are because I don't, I don't have to. Like, you guys have literally never had a problem but letting me know. If I had to describe this album in three words, it's deliberate, vulnerable, and brooding. Deliberate in its slower pacing and presentation. Every song feels like it's handcrafted versus like, we've got a formula and all of our songs sound like that. There really isn't a song on this record that sounds objectively like they're following a formula at all and in certain cases on other albums i might have called that aimless but here it all makes sense when it's taken as a whole product The only downside is that if you hear a part of a song that you really, really, really like, you're probably going to have to rewind it and listen to it again because they don't repeat themselves that often. But I do feel like they introduce enough new ideas in sequence that whenever I get to a new portion of a song, it's always interesting enough for the next thing that I hear to be my new favorite thing, if that makes sense. That didn't make any sense! And there's this really gritty sludge to the riffs and the tone that gives this record a really paced and brooding atmosphere. And you may notice that I'm not talking very much about the lyrics on this record because if I'm being totally honest, I never actually read them when the album came out or, you know, I'm not sure they're even available in the booklet. The booklet's behind me, but like I'm, I'm exhausted and I'm not going to look. But I read them listening to the songs on Spotify this week, and I'm not totally convinced that even those lyrics are accurate. But the fact that I don't know the words is what really drives the vulnerability 
and the relatability of this record home. There's a really strong injection of heartbreak, frustration, and guilt on these songs that is detectable just from the way that it sounds. Somebody who feels nothing can't create emotions that are so deeply relatable to most people. And this is where the record really shines for me. Like I said about Converge last season, I'm not overly concerned with the accurate meanings of each of the songs. As long as I know how it feels and I know what it means to me, it fully completes this transactional circuit between the music creator and the music enjoyer. The combination of emotional vocals and soul-searching musical passages on this album come together in an experience that I have yet to have in any other record, except maybe on, you know, 2022's Reckoner by Trenches, but I'll talk about that record some other time. While Jimmy Ryan's trademark snarls are all over this record, there is also a welcome inclusion of these more like punk and hardcore like shouts and yells. And then like there's some like deeper like death metal style vocals in there. But then there's also some clean singing there that's like really kind of low key, but it somehow delivers the emotional payload more effectively than say some super loud over-the-top crooner looking at you howard jones Schwacked. it's always nice to see a band with this many tools at their disposal be able to convey the exact feeling that's intended like even whenever i do these podcasts sometimes because like i'm i'm reading off of a script sometimes i worry that i'm not actually conveying the emotion the proper way so hats off to anybody that i feel like is is doing that and for me, the brooding part comes in when you realize that this is a fantastic record to sit there and just stew with. And the first time that I did this was about a month or two after I bought the album. You might remember from previous episodes that I used to work as a banker. And during that specific period of my life, I was deeply entrenched in credit card debt. But that was okay because I totally had a plan to get out of it. See, the bank that I worked at wasn't very busy. So day after day, I had to make cold calls to businesses trying to get them to send me like their financing applications for me to process them. Now I didn't actually have to do that. I was just kind of bored and I kind of just came up with that on my own. And every single time I would process one of these loans, I would get a referral bonus for the business that, you know, signed up for it. And then I would get an additional bonus for everybody that was approved for financing. And over the course of a whole year, I had accumulated enough bonus money that I could have paid off that whole credit card and had money to spare. But there was just one thing that I hadn't anticipated. It was 2008. And if you don't know what happened to banks back in 2008, maybe pause this podcast and go Google it. My manager called me into his office one day and he told me straight up, Dan, we really appreciate all of the work that you did. But unfortunately, we are not paying bonuses out this year. Sorry. So full stop. This was kind of a big problem because there's one little detail that I left out of the story up to this point. 
Uh, my wife had no idea that we were even in credit card debt at all. You fucked up! You fucked up! And with the holidays coming up and us not really having money to buy things, combined with me, like, taking money out of our savings account to make credit card payments, and I didn't tell anybody that I did that, so then I had to, like, go tell my wife that, like, we didn't have savings and we owed, like, all of these thousands of dollars. And I realized at this point that I just couldn't keep it up. I had to just outright just tell the truth. And while this episode isn't specifically about that, it is about what followed. See, my plan was that I was just going to use the bonus money to pay off the card, replace the money in the savings, and nobody would have would have ever known about it. But after I told her all of this, she was understandably upset, and we had trust issues for a while, and... My motivation at work was at an all-time low, and because I knew there was now no more incentive for going above and beyond. And this is normally the part of the episode where I say that I heard this record, and it motivated me to change everything, and here's the happy ending and roll credits, right? Uh, but that's not what I did. Day in and day out through that entire season and sort of bleeding into the following year, I just sat there in my apartment just like, staring straight ahead while listening to The Tide Will Swallow Us Whole by Trenches. And I just felt sorry for myself, and I, and I brooded, and, you know, because... You know, my wife didn't trust me, and I didn't trust me, and my job didn't appreciate me. And so, like, I felt wronged, but also, like, hated myself. So I kind of just existed for a period of time, and this record would just spin on repeat day in and day out. Sometimes it's not even because I wanted to listen to the record. It was just because I was too lazy or unmotivated to take it out <laughs> of the CD player. And that's not to say that this record was a negative influence in my life. It's not what I'm trying to say, but it did give a voice to how I was feeling. There's a bitter sense of self-depreciation in this record that I really related to at the time. And despite how much I love this record, it always takes me back to that hopeless feeling that I had back then. But I still believe that all memories are valuable. So I'm glad that this record existed for me at the time. Which leads us to this week and what this all has to do with trenches. So let's flash forward 15 years later in 2023. And at the top of the year, we didn't have any working cars as the Dan Luck saga continued in its grandiose fashion. However, not all was lost because somehow my wife and I had scraped up enough cash through tax refunds and savings that in February, we were able to afford two cars and we were just going to leave behind all those frustrations from the past. And these cars were going to be the racehorses to carry us through to at the very least 2024. However, as you know, from the intro six months later, I was sent to Indianapolis for a business trip for nine days. 
And the pin of light on the horizon was that I was going to get to see Zeo at Post Festival. And even better, I was going to get to see Trenches, because despite me loving their record from 2008, I never had the opportunity to see the band live. So the trip wouldn't be like a total loss. So I was kind of excited, to be honest. I booked the hotel, and I picked up my rental car, and I left my car parked at Enterprise for like 20 minutes. Took the rental car home, had my wife drive me back over to Enterprise to pick up my car. And on the short five-minute drive home, for some reason, my car decided that it was its time to go. And the engine and the transmission proceeded to defecate fluids all over the highway. And I limped the car halfway up my street until I lost all acceleration. And before I could get to my driveway, the check engine light comes on and then the engine just dies right there in the middle of the street. So uh, thank you uh, thank you for the warning, check engine light. But because my wife was following me in the family van and my car died, you know, right in the middle of the street, she had to park at the neighbor's house until I could push the carcass of my car to the side of the road. This was frustrating and it was a huge setback and I kind of just laid there under the car until it got dark, just trying to figure out what the hell happened. But I had to leave for Indy the next day, so eventually I just gave up, and my wife asked me if I could, like, move the family van back into our driveway. And I go to do this, and as soon as I started it and started driving, I start hearing this loud metallic grinding sound coming from the transmission underneath. So both cars were deemed non-drivable. But there wasn't really anything I could do about it because I had to leave for Indy the next morning for nine days. And what followed was day after day of worrying and sitting in my dark hotel room brooding. I had video games with me. I didn't play them. I had scripts to write. I didn't write them, except for this one. And I just sat there and stared at the wall while listening to The Tide Will Swallow Us Whole by Trenches. All this really served to do was to perpetuate this endless cycle of self-loathing. And while those problems were not brought on by my blatant dishonesty, like the situation 15 years ago, I still blame myself for all of it. You know, like if only I was more informed, I could have made better car purchases. I should have been smarter, more careful, more calculating. I could have been better, whatever, right? Uh, and I sat there in that state pretty much all the way until Saturday. And somehow I worked up enough courage to go to the post festival anyway. Even though I was in such a bad way, I almost didn't go. I was almost, almost like, I'm just gonna sit here in my hotel room and, and be upset or whatever. But I just, I thought maybe it would be good to go to the concert anyway. And so I met up with my pal, John, and John is a mod on the uh, web of Zeo. Facebook group and him and I had never actually met in person before so we met up at a record store and we chatted and we went and had pizza together and we talked about our lives and how we both developed our obsessive infatuation with music and then the show finally started trenches proceeded to absolutely crush the stage as they played through mostly Reckoner material but for some reason I'm standing outside in like 90 degree weather and I'm seeing them play and sing these songs. And the music sort of just started 
flowing over me. And I started feeling hopeful again. Like suddenly this music was more real for me than it had ever been before. And I started breathing easier. I mean, I, I felt my body visibly relax, which is hard to do at a metal show, by the way. It was just seeing the pure passion for the songs on full display from the band right up in front of me that sort of broke me out of that cycle of self-loathing. I was actually happy, which if you ever talk to my wife, you'll find out like how big of a deal that was. I would never usually admit to being happy in any situation, but it was because I was appreciating something. I was appreciating something that was valuable to me. It was concrete. It was in front of me. And even though when all this is going through my mind, you know, I still, it's not like it fixed all my problems. I still had two non-working cars to go home to. I still had a, a week worth of work to do before I could go home and take care of those problems. But after watching Trench's play, I, I felt like I had the emotional stamina to start unraveling those issues one by one. See, what I missed about this album the first time around is that it was telling me that those feelings that I had were valid and that they were experienced not just by me, but they were also experienced by the guys in that band and the people that were around me watching that band. And when you realize that you're not alone in something, there's a kind of strength in those numbers, right? Like it's easy to break a stick, but it's harder to break like a, like a handful of sticks at the same time. And it was just seeing this band live 15 years after a horrible life situation and also being in a new, fresh horrible situation the fact that i'm still here 15 years later and trenches is still here 15 years later and all those fans are all still here it means one thing we all survived and we will continue to survive Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. Like I said at the beginning, my name is Daniel Terry. Uh, if anybody wants an update on the car situation, one of the cars is fixed. We scrapped the other one, and uh, I'm looking into replacing it with something that's not just going to absolutely fail uh, You know, on a five-minute drive home. So uh, once I find that, we'll be good. Things are getting better for anybody that is worried or concerned. And something I want to throw on here, too, is that, you know, I do complain about financial things on the podcast a lot. And one thing I want to say from the very beginning is I, I appreciate that you guys are understanding of that. And uh, maybe sometimes it gets a little bit monotonous. But please, 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 I beg you, do not interpret this as me trying to say that you should send me money or send me checks or anything like that. 
But if you do want to help the podcast out financially, I do have a Patreon account. There is a link in the show notes. If you sign up for Patreon, you'll get the episodes a little bit early. And uh, we also do a monthly Patreon hangout every month where we all get together in a room. Well, in a virtual room. And we talk about life and we talk about what we have going on. We talk about the show. We talk about music or whatever else is fun to do. So if you want to be in on that, definitely check out the Patreon that is the end of the episode i did all my social plugs at the beginning let me know if that's something you want me to keep doing or 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 what or if it matters or anything like that i hope to hear from you guys soon but if i don't that's okay too i will see you here again next week season three baby 